set your heart in heaven and ask God for a minute to make sure that his throne room fills this room. And that there is an overlap right now between what we're doing and what he's doing. Father, we come to you and we need the power of God in our lives. We cannot live from what this earth has to offer. We're just not from here anymore. You've saved us and we've been born again. And so, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to live from heaven to earth and not as beggars from earth to heaven, but as sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Please teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys can have a seat or you can keep standing. It'll be weird, but I can handle it. Uh, Yeah, you can go ahead and stand behind me. I actually used to have a choir that stood behind me, and that was fun. So they made it into the sermon a lot more than they wanted to, I promise you that. So that's good. Hey, um, let me see if I can, I don't think I have, I thought I had that slide in here. You know what, I think I don't see anybody, oh maybe, if this is your first Sunday with us, and you're not too weirded out by it, would you just text the word welcome to 307-224-4404, 224-4404. I have a slide somewhere, but they're all on a rotate, so if I put it up, it'll just rotate and show you all kinds of weird things, so uh, I'm not going to get in that today. Well, moms, we're glad you're here. I hope you have a great day, and I'm glad Steve recognized you for that. I'm going to jump into the message. I have a few things I want to do later. So, are you ready? Okay, good deal. There's a couple folks that are fired up, ready to go. They're like, man, I got a big lunch plan. I'm ready to go. So um, I get that. I get that. So um, today we're talking about receiving. And uh, receiving is not an easy thing for Americans to do, Western thinkers to do. We, we, we would rather give than receive. Isn't that what we say? We'd rather be the one giving. And when we hit a patch in our life where we have to do some receiving, it's really hard for us. And, and maybe that's just me. I mean, I just went through a patch where I had to do some receiving, and I got a couple things coming up that will probably be that way as well in my life. And that is hard for me. I have an independent mindset. I, I, I want to take care of me and mine and all these kinds of things. However... In the kingdom of God, things work a little bit different. You see, we're used to um, church, the church system that is on the, the world today that, that we are used to being in is a lot like the, the, the earth system. It's a lot based on merit. We talk a lot about grace, but we live a lot based on merit. And we do that in the church as well. And it's because... We were all born and raised in this system of the earth, an earth that's ruled by the prince of darkness, according to the teachings of Paul. And that's what you're born into, and that's what you know. And then God walks into your life, and Jesus shows up, and boom, you are reborn. And, and so many things happen when you're born again. And you, you move from this place of being a beggar and, and being broken and being corrupt to being completely restored and made new. A place where you're, you're not that slave son in the father's house, but now you're the prodigal son who comes home and you have full rights of sonship. But the other, one of the things that the church needs to learn, that we have to learn, is that we live now not from earth to heaven. 
We are not begging God to change our earthly situation. We now are living from heaven to earth. And so when we come together and worship, we come together and pray, we come together and connect as brothers and sisters in Christ, or even if you're just at home alone in your prayer chair, or, or however you do it, you're moving into a place of mission control where the Father is. And now your, your life of prayer and your spiritual walk are, are bringing what's happening there to earth. That was the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us to pray that way, that the will of God that's done in heaven would also be done on earth. And so that's what we have to learn. And last week we talked about changing our thinking and, and realizing that we are not natural creatures now. We are supernatural creatures. We're not just born. We are born again. And we have to start thinking of the place that we're from. I tell people all the time that are going through trouble, remember this, our time on earth is a bad camping trip. That's what it is. It's a bad camping trip. Even if you have all the things the world has to offer you, it's still terrible compared to what is yours from the Father and in the Father when you get home. You have to remember that, okay? And so, we talk a lot about grace, but we don't live a lot in grace. And one of the examples I have, um, I was thinking of was Simon the sorcerer, in Acts 8. You ever heard of a big fish in a little pond? That was Simon the sorcerer. In the town that he was in, before Philip came, Simon was the man. And then Philip showed up, and, and the city came to Christ. The Samaritan village came to Jesus, and Simon did too. But even as a believer, he's watching Philip go around. Philip's praying for people, and the Holy Spirit of God is falling on these people. And, and so Philip asked Peter, uh, Peter, I said Philip. Never mind, I confuse myself. It happens sometimes. You know, don't worry about it. Simon is the one who asks. Peter's the one who replies. Acts 8.20. Simon had just asked to, to pay for the ability to bring heaven to earth, to pray over people and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter's answer is, may your money be destroyed with you for you, <clears throat> with you for thinking God's gift can be bought for thinking God's gift can be bought back to this merit concept churches today Christians today think merit not grace and we're just like Simon the sorcerer we think we can buy the gifts of God but we know we can't do it with money because Acts 8 the verse is there and so we replace it with serving with prayer, with sacrifice, with, what, with look the appearance of righteousness, we're still trying to earn stuff from a God who only gives stuff. Does that make sense? We're trying to earn stuff from a God who only gives. And so we have to transition that thing because the church operates in the kingdom of heaven and, and toward the kingdom of earth. So we have to move from a merit way of thinking to a grace way of thinking. And what that means is, is we move from a culture of merit where you earn things, where people who achieve a lot get put on pedestals, where people who have gifts that, you, that we all know what they are get put on these big pedestals and they have big crowds and they sell lots of books. But then what usually happens, not always, but what usually happens is that person on that pedestal, because we raised them up above the crowd, it made them more obvious to the enemy. 
And the enemy took them out, and we found out that the people that we, we worshipped like idols were actually just like we are. Just simple people with problems and challenges. And so that's the system of merit. God has another system. It's a culture of honor. And it's based on something different. It's not based on what you've accomplished or what you can do. It's based upon what God has done for you and what God can do and has done in you. When we honor people in the church as the body of Christ, because the Bible tells us, and we read it last week in Romans 12, to take delight, to enjoy, to be thrilled in honoring each other. We don't honor people based on their behaviors or their accomplishments. We can do some of those things, but that is, that is a shallow thing. Our behaviors and accomplishments, they come and go. We do well this week, we totally crater next week. God says honor each other by God's estimation of them, by God's vision for them, by God's gifts in them and by God's glory manifested in their life. And what you notice about everything I just said, it all comes from God. We honor people based on God's moving and loving and giving in their life. And so that's, that's the culture of the church on earth as it is ruled by and, and, and heaven rules through it here in this place. Heaven to earth a different kind of thinking but for us to get there we've got to learn to receive from heaven in order to bless people on earth but here's the thing it's grace it's grace it's a gift everyone in this room every person that's a, a believer in this town that has surrendered to Christ and is following him has gifts from God and here's the thing, most Christians I talk to, they're like, uh, I don't think God, I don't think I have any gifts. I don't know what they, they are or how to use them or any of those kind of things. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus Christ is in you, then God has gifts for you. Does that make sense? Now, my gifts may be different than your gifts, and our, diff, our gifts are different from each other. And my, my calling, my, my heart is to encourage and release all the gifts. I want the church, the believers in the church, the body of Christ, a.k.a. you, I want you to go crazy in the world with the gifts of God. To give what God has given you everywhere you can. But to do that, you've got to come to a place where you can receive that. And if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, if you don't know how God has gifted you, by the way, I'm going to paint the brush of spiritual gifts with a very broad stroke because I do not believe the Bible contains an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. I think if God wants to give you a weird spiritual gift, you will have a weird spiritual gift. Okay? My gift is sitting on the couch and praying for people. That's a great gift. I would like that one. That'd be good. Uh... Mine is annoying the snot out of people, but that's a, a different gift. The Bible says in Proverbs, a person's gifts, gift makes room for him and leads him before important people. As you receive your gift, your gift makes a place for you. 
And we're going to be talking a little bit about how that works in our life. But one of the challenges that you may have to get over, one of the, peop- one of the problems people have with spiritual gifts is some of the folks that use them and manifest them are people who are just as much a wreck and maybe more so than you are. Here's the problem with that. These are not merit gifts. They're grace gifts. That's what we have to remember as believers. God doesn't give you things because you deserve them. He gives you things because he loves you. That's a better way to receive things, don't you think? Okay, so if you're still awake, the intro hasn't knocked you out, we'll get into the sermon part, all right? We're going to spend the rest of the day in Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2, which is a setup for spirit, the, the chapter 12 is a setup for the, many of the spiritual gifts that Paul talks about. We'll get to some of those. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I talk a lot about this word called surrender. It it sounds like not a fun word. Surrender, sacrifice, they kind of end up in the same arena. And they don't sound like a lot of fun. But... If something sets you free, if something sets you free, it's powerful. And freedom is fun. Okay? And so we talk about surrender for a minute because to get to a place of receiving, there has to be a place of emptying, a place of surrender. And so as I look at this text, there's a lot going on here. First of all, I love how Paul Paul was really good at just picking at people's philosophies. And this is one of those. Surrender your body. An interesting belief of the day in Rome, to whom Paul's writing to, was that the body was worthless. That it was just basically uh, something to carry your soul around, and what happened to your body didn't even matter. But here Saul's coming at it and saying, first thing you have to do is you have to surrender your body to God. You've got to lay it on the altar to God. What good is it to surrender your your body to God? Mainly because everything you do in this life, you do encased in this meatloaf of a flesh, your body. And so everything you use your energy for, it's the energy of your body. And so... Paul says you've got to surrender that because God cares about your body. He cares about your soul that's housed in your body. And so as you surrender your body, Paul says in another place, Romans 6, 13, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what's right for the glory of God. (coughs) Excuse me. Many are trapped in their own bodies, serving the expectations in the world around them. The, the, uh, the very, every whim of the prince of darkness in Ephesians and uh, in a couple of other Paul's letters. 
And so what happens is your body ends up a servant. You end up trapped to sins, to, to bad habits. And, and, and on your own, by yourself, you can't, you can't escape them. But here's the thing. Here's, here's how you get there. You get there by surrendering your body. You surrender your body to alcoholism. You surrender your body to the party life. You surrender your body to being a workaholic. Most of your life is an act of surrender. Why? Why do we surrender? The promise of fun later, the promise of acceptance from others, the promise of freedom, the hope of fame, money. The problem is, in the world you live in, this horizontal world, it's all a pack of lies. It will never give you whatever it advertises. I, one of the things that ticks me off about the enemy and his strategies is how that he always promises you the very thing he's going to take away. He always promises you the very thing that the sin will take away. So how do you beat that? Well, we've been surrendering to whatever. You fill in the blank. I could put in a few things myself, like pizza. Surrender to Christ. Surrender to God. Now, if I were you, I'd be sitting there thinking, because I, my mind argues and puts up debates, and I'm kind of a critic and a cynic, and I'm like, hang on, Michael. You said freedom. You were talking about freedom, and now you're talking about surrender. How does surrender set me free? Because what surrender does, it, it's like in an army. It's like in a war or a battle. When you surrender, you wave the white flag. And the enemy comes in, and they impose their kingdom upon your kingdom. That's what you do. You surrender to their kingdom. What happens when you surrender to the kingdom of love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, and self-control? What happens when you surrender to that kingdom? Then God comes, and his kingdom overflows, not imposes, overflows into your life the benefits of that kingdom. So you want to be free? You surrender to the kingdom of heaven. You surrender to God. And surrender is what sets you free. So surrender frees your body. i got to go a little faster here. It frees your worship. Uh, real quick, I, there's a passage in Isaiah 44 that is hilarious. The Bible is packed with jokes. The Bible is packed with good jokes, all right? And I love Isaiah 44 because dude goes out and he cuts down a tree and then he cuts it in half and he burns half the tree to grill some meat with and feed himself. Then he carves the other tree, half of the tree into an idol and sets it up and worships it. And you're sitting here going, dude, what is wrong with you? How can you worship a tree that you cut down, burned half of it, you have complete power over it? Well, here's why. Because idolatry is always worship of self. Anything you worship that's not God, you worship it because you're worshiping you. And you want that thing to serve you. And so that's in Isaiah 44. But when you surrender to God and you put God at the helm of your life and he becomes the place and the focus of your worship, what happens is you fire the cruelest, most self-centered jerk of a God that exists on the planet Earth. You, you fire you from the throne and you enthrone God and it sets your worship free. 
So surrender makes room for, um, for worship in your life, and it sets you free. It makes room. It frees your body, and it frees your thoughts. I used to work in radio. It was my bivocational job in Colorado where we were planning a church, and it was a lot of fun because I sold air for a living. It's just hilarious that I could sell air. That's what we told it all the time. And so I had a radio show I worked on for a while. I was, imagine, believe it or not, I was the color guy, which meant I was the one who told bad jokes. And they were probably pretty bad. But anyway, so I, I tried. Since I worked in radio, I never listened to radio. Never listened to radio. Here's why. I get so tired of people's minds running through my head. I don't watch the news for this reason. If I listen to a podcast, it's one I choose, and it's one that's focused on growth or spirit or something like that. It's what I want to learn about because I choose what I think about. I choose what I think about, and that's what surrender does. I want to think about God stuff. I don't, I mean, I, do I want to know what's happening in the Middle East or over in China and Taiwan and all the situations? I, I want to know about it, but I just want the bullet points. What I want to think about is the goodness of God, the miracles that God's doing on this earth, the revivals that are breaking out. I, I want to think about healthy ways to turn the society and the world that we live in around. That's the kind of stuff I want to dwell on. I, I want to surrender my thoughts to heaven. I want to think about heaven stuff. And so when I surrender to those, I free my thoughts. It makes room within me for God's thoughts. And the last thing I'll show you is that it's, it's surrender also frees your will. Did you know, this may be hard to accept, God is not trying to control you. Did you know that? God is not a controlling God. He's a sovereign God. It's a big difference between a sovereign God and a controlling God. Fruits of the Holy Spirit, last one is self-control. Not other control, self-control. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and self-control. God, God doesn't want a bunch of robots walking around serving him in the kingdom, spouting and mimicking heartless, passionless ideas. God wants people co-laboring with him, walking with him in his mission and his ministry. God wants sons and daughters who live and breathe and act like sons and daughters with ownership and the authority that Christ has earned, has earned for them. God's not out to control you, but he does have a will. And his will is the very best thing for you. What you want in your life, regardless of what you think, what you want in your life more than anything is God's will worked out in your life. And so if you surrender your will, it sets you free. Besides, how are you doing with your will? How much anxiety is in your life because of your will and what you can't accomplish? Just think how powerful, how much energy you would save if you could surrender to the will of God. Surrender makes room within you to receive the gifts of God. Humility makes room for you. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and authority God's given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. You might want to read this to someone you know. I don't know, just, just a thought. 
Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. By the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to who? Each other. We all belong to each other. What a powerful... That's like the Word of God. That's out of the Bible. We belong to each other. Don't think of yourself as as more than you really are. Think of yourself in regard to the faith that God has given you. Humility reminds you that your gifts in life, the things that you enjoy, the blessings that you get to enjoy, they are from somebody. They are gifts. Even if it looks like on paper that you earned them, they were given to you. And it's the same with spiritual gifts. They're gifts. God gives them of His grace, not our effort. Whatever you possess is a gift from God. You can't take credit for that. Here's the other thing that you see in this text that may bother you some. What you have is for us, not just you. Michael, are you a socialist? No, I'm a flaming libertarian nowadays. I believe that God gives ownership and gives us the ability to do things so that we can share out of love, not be forced to give out of exertion of force. Jesus won the victory on the cross, and he did that, and in doing so, according to Ephesians 4, 8, he gave gifts to the church. And we got to get serious about being the church and about being the body of Christ and realizing that we're all in this together and that our gifts are not just for us. They're not just so we can make an income, make a living, or or acquire the things that we want need in our life our gifts are for the body and the great thing about learning how to share your gifts in the body is that your gifts are multiplied as they're shared in the body the disciples ate really well the day they gave away everything they had the day they took their small lunch to feed a huge crowd they went home with huge reserves And it's true of the gifts of God that he has in your life. Also, you see in this text, there's no room for jealousy in the body of Christ. Paul's actually pretty funny about it. It's another one of those jokes in the Bible. Some of you are going to go home now. I've got to look for all the jokes in the Bible. Go for it. Let me know how it goes. But he talks about the body and how the the things that are the most uh, tender, the things that are the most uh, insecure that about we we treat with greater honor. And he's trying to Show the body how it works together. And that there's no place in it for jealousy. For example, it, it would be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. If you got a new ring on your finger, right? Big, maybe it's a big diamond for you ladies, for you guys. I don't know what kind of rings guys like, but cool ones. It's a cool one. It would be ridiculous to think that your knee is jealous that your ring finger got a ring. That doesn't make any sense at all. The ring draws attention to the person. So the knee would rejoice because the reward of one member of the body is actually rewarding the whole body. Right? And and how would you get a ring on your knee anyway? Rings aren't 
for knees. That would just be dumb. I think they call that a brace, actually. <clears throat> no place for jealousy in the body. The body honors the body. The body encourages the body. Humility helps you and reminds you that you're part of something else, that you're not on your own. Humility finds you. Humility finds you in God's estimation. You know how false humility is? False humility is when you walk around saying, I don't have any gifts. I don't have any talent. There's nothing I can do. I, I'm, just, I'm just a humble Christian, and I go to church, and I pray, and that's all I got. There was like a billion chances at you being on this earth for your parents. And God made sure you got here. It's like a, a billion chances at you, and here you are. You are no accident. And if you honestly believe that you don't have gifts to give, you're underestimating the God who put you here. You're not here by accident. You're here as a gift from God to this world and to this body. Just the proof that you're sitting here this morning. I believe that there's irrefutable evidence that God has gifts for you just by your presence. Humility finds you, humility reminds you, and humility keeps you. It keeps you on the team, it keeps you working with other believers, it keeps you in the field, it keeps you putting the value of other people's souls above your own time and energy. So, so surrender makes room in you so that God can put stuff in. Humility makes room for you so that you can work with other believers and connect with other believers. And this is really important. I'll come to the end why I think that's so important. And the last thing I'll say is the word I made up. I love to make up words. My dad started it. Maybe his dad started it. I don't know. Godfidence makes room for everyone. And I'm combining God with confidence. And here's why. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you teach, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Here's the problem with spiritual gifts ready did you know there's a problem well yeah i didn't i don't know what mine is well we can get to that we'll find that the problem with spiritual gifts is they're god powered they're god powered what does that mean if god doesn't show up and power the gift the gift ain't happening that's why we need confidence because the church needs your gifts the world needs your gifts your family needs your gifts you don't know what they are yet, but they can be found. And you can grow in them, and you can receive them. But here's what you have to know. In order for your gift to function well, God has to show up. And that's why we're afraid of gifts. Because we're like, okay, what if? I'm just saying, Michael, I'm not really saying I'm going to do anything about what you said, but I'm just saying, what if I step out in what I think is my gift, and I fail? That's rough, that's rough. I'll give you an example. So I love to sing. I, I worship through song. I am a terrible musician. Okay, 
pretty bad. I'm a pretty bad musician, okay? But every now and then, because people think, oh, he can sing, and what I do is I sing loud enough so you can't hear the instrument I'm playing. That's, what, that's my goal. But I was asked to lead worship for a, a, a prayer gathering a couple months ago, and I went, I took my guitar, I know like three chords, and I have no, not much in the way of rhythm, and I, I, I led the songs that I love, and I got going in the first song, and I lost my timing about halfway through, and what started out as worship ended up as forgiveness. As everyone's trying to sing with me, and I have no idea where I'm going. It happens to me sometimes. Now, you're sitting there going, see, Michael, you tried to step out in a gift, and you failed. What I said was that in order for your gift to work, God has to show up. God can show up in the success of your gift. You can get up and preach a message, teach a lesson, and, and everyone be moved. And He can also show up in the absolute failure of your gift. You can get up and share a message, and everyone in the room has to give you grace and mercy to get through it. Both of those are acts of worship. One is an act where God is glorified in a way that, that people are moved. Another is an act where God is glorified through people's patience, mercy, and forgiveness. In both of those situations, God shows up. You're like, Michael, I don't want to feel like a failure. Peter did not want to sink the day he was walking out on the raging sea. But he learned a valuable lesson that day that filled his letters in the New Testament. A lesson of keeping your eyes focused on Christ. A lesson of how Christ captures your vision once you truly see him. So my point is, we simply have this room and this place in our life. God has gifts for us, and we need to make space so that we can receive those gifts. Oh, man, I'm really tired of this time limit thing. It's driving me crazy. So here's what I'm asking you to do today. And we're about to do communion as well, so, so prepare. We're going quick. You have to discover your gifts. There are all kinds of online assessments that are available and books that are available to you, and I think they're all what they are. How's that? Michael, do you love them? I don't. I don't love them. Here's how I think you find your gifts. You start serving with the body of Christ, either in a small group or a church or another brother and sister, you start serving someone. And you start stepping out. This is how the disciples found their gifts. They just started walking with Jesus and doing stuff. And this is how you find your gift. You start walking with Jesus and doing stuff, and here's what happens. This is what happened in my life. Michael, I think, I think you could preach. Or I, I've seen the way you pray with people and how the Holy Spirit really just gives you things when you pray with them. Or, man, you are really good at administering things and, and, and keeping things in order and organizing things. What happens is, is as you serve, your gifts float to the top. No test needed. It's just organic growth. It's just real. And I think what happens then, a promise I made years ago was I said, God, you open the door, you do the door open, and I do the walking through. And he has honored that. And that's the same for you. If you say, God, I want to know what my gifts are, I'll go through any door you open, he's going to start opening doors for you. He will put you in weird places, like Rock Springs, Wyoming, of all places. 
but he will also give you gifts and love and blessings to carry you through and to empower your gifts. So I say discover what your gifts are. Remember that your gifts aren't just for you, that your greatest joys in life come not through hoarding your gifts, but through sharing your gifts. And so I want to pray for all of us to accept those gifts. One thing we are going to do today, we have a card. We do need people to help us out with things of ordinary faith. There's a sign-up card on a few chairs. What I want you to do is ask the person next to you their name and fill it out and, and get their phone number filled in for them. That was a joke. That was a joke. You can also text the word SERVE to 307-224-4404 if you would like to step into a place of serving. I know, setting up chairs and working with kids may not sound like the ultimate fruit of your ministry. We're not looking for ultimate fruit of your ministry. We're looking for a place for you to identify what God's doing in your life. By the way, I don't want anything from you. Ordinary faith never wants anything from you, but we want a ton for you. We want everything for you. There's so much good stuff. So let's stand together, and on that note of serving, let's celebrate the act of service that Christ served for us. You got the slides, uh, John, Dwayne, whoever it is. I- I've got to switch over to another doodad. I'll show you how to do this, so just relax. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is a two-part package. The foil comes off the top for the styrofoam wafer. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that in this moment. That was not right. So, And then the second foil comes off for the juice. Father God, I pray that you bless us now. I pray that our hearts are with you. I pray that what we do right now helps every believer, every person, regardless of where their faith is, realize that we serve a God who loves us so much that he gave everything for us. And help us to remember that we serve a giving God. We cannot earn from him. But praise God, we can receive from him. Help us to receive this communion together. In Jesus' name.